0: It's just—it's just a waste of time.
1: What this podcast?
0: No. Well, maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Smashing Security, episode one hundred and sixty-four: A bitter pill to swallow, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 164. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. You're back from the Canadian tundras. That's excellent to see. I am.
0: I'm getting less and less jet-liked. But, uh, yeah, I was there for a month, so it has its impacts, doesn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. I miss that's... the snow already,
0: though, can I say? Do you? Yeah.
1: Well, it's pretty, but it's, I, I don't know if you notice, it's also cold and slushy.
0: Yeah, it's good for the body, though, doing good old shoveling.
1: Well, oh, I see. I thought you meant you were rolling around in it. I'm ripped. (laughs) Oh, are you?
0: (laughs) Now, we don't have a guest today. We don't. Well, we did have a guest, but we had some technical
1: issues. Bloody technical issues.
0: So uh, we will reschedule her. There's a hint. (laughs) But uh, you're going to have to just put up with the two of us this week.
1: Ah, uh, our podcast would be so much easier if there was no technology involved, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah well, it wouldn't be possible, nor um, if we had more time, if we didn't stick to our schedules so closely.
1: So rigidly.
0: So rigidly. We're such yes. professionals.
1: We are professionals. And talking of which, what's coming up on the show this week, Crow?
0: Well, first, let's thank this week's sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you this show for free. Now, Graham tries to show his more cultured side and shares the deets on an unusual art heist. And I gab about an innocent-looking, though not-so-innocent-acting, medical patient software. Just you wait. All this and loads more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security.
1: Now, chum-chum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it, like it.
1: We aren't just security experts, are we? No, God, no. Well, no. I mean, I, I don't know about. I mean, I we are, you know, we are experts, but we also have other things. We've got a podcast, therefore, we must be experts, right? I mean, I consider myself also have something of a bon vivant, a gourmand, a uh, national Does treasure. That mean
0: you just like food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Carole, I've seen your feet. You must be a body part model. Uh, and of course, you're an artist <laughs> now, very aren't very nice you? How's the art all? going? All the painting and things like that?
0: Yeah, you know, I have an art show coming up again.
1: Do you? So, yeah. Oxford Art Weeks? You, yeah. You participate in that again? Oh, yeah. marvellous. Okay. Yeah,
0: so I've got to get ready.
1: Well, as an appreciator of art, I'm sure you appreciate the works of John Constable. Well, yes. He's a hero. Beautiful, beautiful skies. One of England's greatest painters, famous for his landscapes, of course, the Suffolk countryside in the first half of the 19th century. See, you don't like landscapes, though. Well, I prefer people in my pictures. I think I, I know I'm just sort of… You know, yeah. I quite like that sort of thing. But, but you come from Canada where there are no people. There's just acres and acres of land.
0: Yeah, I like a good old landscape.
1: Well, word reaches us that hackers have managed to trick a Dutch art museum into paying them £2.4 million, which is about. Uh, Ooh, that's got to hurt a museum. Yeah, about $12.50, I suppose, for our US friends. Uh, for a John oh. Constable painting. <laughs> yes. So, would you like to hear the story, Carol, of how all this happened? Yeah,
0: yeah. Of course sitting, you, I'm, were, I'm of course you would. I'm sitting back. I'm sitting back. I've got okay. my coffee in hand. Let's go.
1: Well, the story starts like this. In March 2019, the director of – I'm going to have to take a run-up at this – the director of the Rijksmuseum Museum twenty Art Museum in Enschede in the Netherlands <laughs> – I love how
0: you put an accent on, <laughs> just to give it a bit more authenticity. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The director popped along to the European Fine Art Fair to check out the pictures. Went, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's lovely. All the great artists were represented. Turner, Constable, Terriot, they were all there. (laughs) But the picture which caught his eye was Constable's 1855 painting, I'm sure you know it, A View of Hampstead Heath. Oh, I don't. I couldn't recall it in my head like that. No. Oh right. Well, I'll tell you what. It, which one it. In fact, what I've done is I've, I've just put it in the document which we shared, and I'll also link to it in the show notes. Now, I'm not sure it's that amazing. This view <laughs> from okay, Hampstead Heath.
0: But you're not looking at a finished painting here. The one you put in the document is just like the study. It's just the. It's what's called a eye. Is it? Yeah, so it's just a tonal, a tonal sketch of the landscape in one color. So you can oh. kind of go. This is where the light's going to hit. This is how the, the composition, of the painting's going to work. So it's kind of like a study.
1: Oh, I thought he hadn't coloured it in. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I made a mistake. All right. I th- <laughs> well, anyway, the director of this Dutch museum he saw this and he thought, "Oh, I'd love to stick that up on my wall. I think that looked marvelous." And so he began negotiating. With a London art dealer called Simon Dickinson to buy the Constable painting. Okay, so this would be like you falling in love with one of my
0: paintings and you call up your local art dealer, your, 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 yeah. (laughs) You call your local art dealer and uh, say, Richard, Richard, call Corral and I want this painting on my wall. I want to look at it every day. Yes, yes, okay, exactly. Got you.
1: exactly. Right. So this art dealer was saying, oh, yes, we should Fair get this. enough. I imagine that's how it works. And the negotiations began. You can imagine, that, oh, there's a bit of haggling, a bit of to and fro. It's like, oh, will you include the little bit of string to hang it up on the wall? Can you give me a rusty nail? Well,
0: he is a director of a museum. Presumably
1: he's got <laughs> a few of those things in the back room. I'm going to take off some of the price because it isn't coloured in. That kind of thing, right? <laughs> I've got to buy a few more paintings this year. Yeah. Well, these things take time. There's a lot of haggling going on. But then, ha, 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 a breakthrough occurred, right? And the price was agreed. 2.4 million British pounds, or $3.1 million. Mm -hmm. And Dickinson, the London art dealer, delivered the precious painting, the masterpiece, to the Dutch museum. Okay, so they agreed. They agreed the price. They agreed
0: everything Yes. Uh,
1: they have did a digital handshake. Well, I don't know about that. Like, they agreed. <laughs> you know, I don't know how it works with a, the old funny handshakes. But, uh, yeah, the painting has arrived. Marvellous. Everything's good, right? Everything's good.
0: Well, okay. And he's got his money. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Was the museum <laughs> up to some nothing no
1: good or what happened? Well, no, the museum weren't the scammers. Okay. So the price had been agreed, right, in the email. And the money had been transferred. And in the email it said, you know, transfer the money for payment of the painting, into a Hong Kong bank account. And the museum, sure enough, funnelled the money over to Hong Kong. Oh, okay. Was that, I guess that was agreed? Well, it was agreed in the email. And the museum thought it was the art dealer in London who was telling them the banking details, but of course, kaboom!
0: Yeah. It was
1: disastrous.
0: You see, I kind of feel a bit like I would have got someone on the phone. Suddenly it was a different bank account and I had to use the IBAN number for Hong Kong.
1: Right. So you would have you would have
0: unless I thought he
1: was in Hong Kong or she was in Hong Kong, who I was dealing with. I suppose that's possible as well. So you would if you had been the museum, you would have asked the person emailing you wouldn't know that it was a hacker.
0: No, no, I'm assuming we made a relationship talking two point four million, right? And I can you know we've talked and he says, Yes, of course, I'm in Brussels. That's where I am based, right? Uh (laughs) Or wherever. There would have been some information passed on however Mm. that does not mean that the person who's actually paying from the museum i'm imagining you know it could be someone
1: else who wasn't involved in the negotiation so just paid it Oh, I think it was the museum who were buying. No, I know,
0: but it may be two people, two different cogs, right? Oh,
1: I see. So the person the finance department versus the purchasing department. Okay, yes, that's that's always possible. Anyway, this has now ended up in court because as you correctly surmised, it was a hacker who had intercepted the conversation between the art dealer and the museum, jumped in on the negotiation, (laughs) posing as the dealer, and given those phony bank details. The money to be put into, and and it's not the hacker who's shown up in court. They're nowhere to be seen. No one knows who they are. Instead, it is the museum which is trying to sue the art dealer,
0: the one who provided the painting. Yes, the (laughs) one who's out two hundred forty million or two point four
1: million. Yes. Exactly. So the museum, which paid the money to the wrong people, is blaming the art dealer, saying that the art dealer should have noticed that the fraud was taking place because they'd been copied on the email thread. Even though the bank account had been changed to <laughs> Hong Kong and they didn't. The lawyers for the museum actually say that the art dealer, by saying nothing, they said everything. So they should have spotted what was going on and went, oi, 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 oi. those aren't our bank details, what's going on here? what's depressing about getting
0: older in life (laughs) What?
1: it's just how many
0: sheisty moves there are like why wouldn't why wouldn't they just both go okay we screwed up let's
1: you know i don't know tear the painting in half let's split split, let's split the diff tear tear the paint this isn't (laughs) this isn't a banksy which gets shredded do you remember when that painting by banksy got shredded they could do six
0: months six months
1: Oh, just sort of have co-ownership. Co-ownership. No, no, Carol, that's rubbish because the art dealer owned the painting, right? Now they only own half the painting and they've received none of the money. No, 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 and I think they should split the money as well. They should split the money. I think the museum should pay him 1.2, half the money. For six months of the year?
0: No, just pay half and then they
1: both have equal loss
0: and equal gain. Okay,
1: okay, look. Sorry. See, I can sort this. This this isn't like some sort of divorce settlement where you're getting visiting rights at weekend. No, because the art dealer owned the painting outright. Maybe they want to sell it to someone else who would offer two point four million rather than getting one point two million, and they'll never be able to sell the other half. Who's going to want to buy the other half of the painting?
0: I understand. Okay, it's not an ideal situation. However, it is. It is what it is.
1: What and really, really, the actual problem—the
0: the actual person who should be getting the finger—is this mysterious hacker.
1: If they pulled the resources, maybe I'd go after them. Well, interestingly, both the art dealer and the museum are blaming each other for that. Yeah. hack. Well, that's kind <laughs> of stupid, idiot. And saying it well, wasn't us who had our email hacked, it must have been you. So this has gone to the courts now. The and courts the are going to have to decide. Off it. Well done, <laughs> no, no, no doubt. Clearly the museum would have been wise to have independently verified the legitimacy of the bank account they're checking money into but they argue that the art dealer as well should have been a little bit more vigilant so uh,
0: <sighs> it's just it's just a waste of time
1: what this podcast no <laughs> well maybe just <laughs>
0: No, no, but my story my story is about people, you know, this situation. Okay, so here this, the problem here is two innocent parties that were trying to make a deal got screwed. Yes. Right, and now they're blaming each other for getting screwed as opposed to just saying, okay, there's a bit of egg on both our faces here, but really it's because we got targeted. And like what, so if whoever is found to have the malware or the issue is going to be the one that has to suck it up, is that the idea?
1: I don't know. I, I don't feel that that. Is, that- Necessarily means you're hundred percent to blame. No, if you're the one to be, it's and some very wise old judge is going to decide this, right? Yeah, uh, you know, computer program. That's not in a Dutch accent, obviously. Yeah, which is probably a blessing for all of us. So, what kind of advice can we offer people who might find themselves in a similar situation? Obviously, double check. And check via a different method. Don't use email. If you've been chatting some via email so far, call them on the phone, or maybe find some software where you can have what are they called? Sort of digital meeting. These sort of safe rooms, aren't they? Safe online rooms for having
0: exactly virtual safe rooms. These are places where companies can go or or individuals can go in order to negotiate a deal. Um, with high stakes in a way that they can be guaranteed nothing leaves the room right all the all the paperwork everything is going to close setting so it means no one can infiltrate so when you're talking this kind of money it's kind of a good idea to look into these virtual safe rooms
1: Mm. and all the communications can be properly encrypted and you can have lots of security in place to prevent unauthorized people getting an earwig into the room and hearing what's going on well carol if only they were as wise as you and talented, perhaps. Crow, what's your story for us this week?
0: Okay, do you remember when you hurt your cooter? It was like years and years ago. Are we really? Or maybe now? it was your, maybe... Anyway, you've had a number, we've known each other a long time. And you've had a number of instances where you've had really bad pain. I think there was one called beaver fever at one point.
1: That wasn't a problem with my beaver, let's stress that. <laughs>
0: Close your eyes and take yourself back to whichever one hurt the most, okay? It's right, yes. Okay. Now, what do you do? What do you do in that situation? You're like, ow, ow, ow.
1: Oh, it's easy. Uh I'm a man, so what I will do is I will complain about it a lot, but I won't actually go to the doctor.
0: Uh, I, I thought in your case you had quite a fetching doctor, so you'd oh, be dashing well, I off.
1: Did, I did eventually go and see... um I, I won't mention her name, but I did. Go, she no longer works there for reasons which may become apparent. I did. I did go and see my doctor, and she wanted to examine me. Right. Uh, okay. Yes.
0: So let's leave it to everyone's <laughs> imagination, shall we? So, okay. So she's examining you. I want you to, you know, she's examining you. Don't worry. This is not going to get too personal, right? Yeah, but yes. as she's examining you, she she's probably filling in an online patient record. Right. She's saying, "Chloe's come in." Yeah, hurt again. his little guy. I'm here to help. Whatever,
1: right? Right. She's and entering she's gonna, this on a computer.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. And she's well, well Graham. It is. It is 2020. They're not doing okay. it longhand.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> and uh, one of the questions she probably asked you is, c- can you rate your pain, Graham? Right? Can you? Ooh. How do you rate your pain for, on a level from yes. one to ten?
1: Yes. And well, I'm, sure I'm a bit spinal tap, so I normally try and go up to eleven <laughs> or something <laughs> yes. like that. So. Yeah, with all your
0: complaining and whining. <laughs> God. Um, so, okay. Imagine your doctor puts that into the system and bish, bash, bosh. At the end of the examination, she, um, uh, she goes, okay, well, thank you very much. Here are some painkillers. I think you should take them to deal with your pain, your All penile right. pain, okay. right? Okay. And yes. you would trust this recommendation because you like your doctor yes. and uh, she's advising that you take the pills. Yes. And the doctor, and effectively you is trusting that the software is literally not trying to influence you and do anything that none of you
1: are aware of. So she's got a piece of software on her computer which uh, has made the recommendation or something. She, she she's not just googling the symptoms because I can do that at home quite easily. <laughs> <So> she's <laughs> okay, sit to back. More Listen. That. Okay? That's what she said.
0: So meet Practice Fusion. This is a San Francisco medical startup. okay? And according to its own website, Practice Fusion streamlines the running of a typical healthcare practice. And it does this by providing a cloud-based electronic health record system. Okay. And you may remember that my first job was working at a medical office, a kind of place that, a practice, a medical practice, the kind of place
1: that this software would be perfect for. Yeah, you were working for your dad, weren't you? Right, he's a but I was
0: working pre, I was working at the, you know, when, when paper was moving to computer. Right. So, um, we still had paper files. And I actually got fired from that job by my
1: dad. <laughs> your, da- your own dad fired you from the yep. job. My nice. own dad fired me from
0: the job because I pa- <laughs> no, but I did something really awful. I didn't do it on purpose, I but i i lost a I lost a, a patient file, and the guy went to hospital. Bro. The guy went to hospital, and they couldn't find his file because I'd accidentally tucked it into someone else's file by accident when I was putting it away. So anyway,
1: what, so what? Trauma Did they chop off the wrong leg or something? What what happened as a result of this? Do we? Do you know? (laughs) I got fired. Is what? Well, yeah, that's the most important thing. That's the most
0: important thing. Um, So back to Practice Fusion. Okay, so its website says it's super popular. Four million patient visits per month. Eighty million patient records. Yada yada yada. yada, We're number one. Mm -hmm. And the software is apparently used by tens of thousands of doctors' offices across the U.S. of A. Right. So presumably, should be all tickety boo.
1: Oh, yes. I'm sure that's why you're mentioning it on the show. Yes,
0: yes. Wonderful. So, yes, this software had this electronic health record system. So, this is where all your information was being inputted by, you oh, know, said doctor or health dear. practitioner.
1: It's going to be a data breach, isn't it?
0: And occasionally, a pop-up window would show up with a question asking about a patient's pain level. And uh, in your situation, you would say, oh, you know, I'm a 12, right? And I would say, no, Graham, could you please take this seriously, (laughs) right? And you would say whatever number you'd say. The software, this drop-down menu, would then provide a list of treatment options, including perhaps a prescription for, say, oxycodone or another opioid. Okay. Now, this is how it worked. This is what makes it all a little bit icky. This tool existed thanks to a secret deal. This is all according to a Bloomberg article in the LA Times I read. So it turns out that Practice Fusion was paid by a major opioid manufacturer, Pharmaco X. Let's call them that for this moment because they're unnamed.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So this major opioid manufacturer paid Practice Fusion money in order to kind of boost prescriptions to addictive pain pills. Oh, crumbs. Yeah, and this went on for three years, between 2016 and 2019.
1: And so the software is telling the doctor to prescribe, you know, these addictive pills.
0: So it would just show up, it wouldn't show up on everyone's uh, system. So let's say, so sometimes with some patients, suddenly this pop-up would show up. And the pop-up would ask about pain level. And it was targeting, it was targeting patients that weren't currently taking opioids, and patients that were maybe on medicines that were less profitable for the company.
1: Oh my goodness! So they're basically recruiting. They're you- upselling.
0: Yeah, they're upselling uh, people to an addictive drug. So it's like it's back to the forties with the cigarettes. <laughs> this is horrific. Yeah, and this is and the doctors didn't know this, right? So you'd go, yeah. you toddle off to your local, you know, medical center. Yeah. And your doctor would go, oh, you know, hey, you have a headache? Well, I think maybe, uh, oh, you should maybe, pain pills is this? Okay, maybe you should try some oxycodone to, have to deal with that.
1: My goodness.
0: They've now been hit. The DOJ did a big investigation, and yeah. the DOJ alleges that Practice Fusion took financial kickbacks from drug companies and let the drug makers draft the language in the so-called clinical decision support alerts, which we're talking about. These are these pop-ups that were presented to doctors. So they were able to massage the wording and uh, decide on what the levels would be and what would be presented as possible um, options.
1: I'm I'm slightly speechless, Crow, which is no good for a podcast at all. Or maybe <laughs> Don't is, worry, actually. I've got maybe, lots more to ma- say. <laughs> maybe
0: it's a big improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, okay. So listen to this. So employees inside, okay, the drug company said yes. that they bolstered opioid sales by as much as eleven point three million through this partnership. Golly. So in the contract, um, the drug maker paid practice fusion almost a million dollars for the opportunity <gasps> wow. to present their drugs to patients in this way. Wow. So I'm researching the story, right? And yeah. I'm, what I'm annoyed about is, who is this drug company?
1: Oh, because we don't know. It's I wasn't been... alone, though. Yeah.
0: Because Reuters figured yeah. it out. Okay, so Ooh. despite it being redacted from the government documents. And if you want to read about this, I've got it. you know, as you know, I do a ton of research. So there's a ton of links inside the, uh, the you know, the mm-hmm. Smashing Security webpage. page. Mm-hmm. want to read more about this. So Reuters published that the oxycodone maker was in bed practice fusion was none other than Purdue Pharma.
1: Purdue Pharma.
0: Now, Purdue was not criminally charged in this case or accused of any wrongdoing, in fact. There's been no determination of liability or civil, uh, on civil claims. Like, so, I don't know, I was thinking about this, right? So, say yeah. your doctor had done this and you'd read about this and you might think, God, I was an oxycodone for my headache. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, you might, in some instances, want to sue that medical practice. And what the medical practice would then probably, you know, like there has to be a route.
1: They'd sue sue up chain, wouldn't they? I mean, that's how it works in America, isn't it? Everybody sues everybody.
0: Mm. Practice Fusion have agreed to pay 145 million squids to resolve this. And this is to basically pay for any criminal, like pay the lawyers and play any civil investigations. Good golly. Yeah.
1: What a story. It reminds me a little of, do you remember back in episode 122 of Smashing Oh, Security? yes, of
0: course I remember that episode. Well, I've just
1: looked it up. That's why I remember. <laughs> um, Office Depot, they were fined millions because they tricked customers into thinking their computers were infected with malware. Because what ha- would happen is you'd take your computer into Office Depot and they'd say, oh, we'll check to see why your computer's running slow or why you're having crashes. They'd run this piece of software which would falsely claim it was infected by malware and then tell you you needed to buy a certain antivirus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It was absolutely scandalous
1: at the time. And they they ended up having to settle with the FTC, millions and millions and millions, uh, over those uh, tricked consumers. But it's a little bit like that, because although you genuinely did have the symptoms of some kind of illness or pain, the software is the thing which is telling you to take the wrong remedy, or perhaps... Well, no, it's the people that created, it's both the drug maker and the
0: people that created the software and the people that allowed the software and the practices. So they're obviously just buying an EDM. They're just buying an electronic patient record holder. They weren't even expecting these pop-ups. That wasn't, you know, they were just looking for a place to hold data. But still, that's patient data. So thinking of the vetting they did, they obviously did no security testing. How clear are they? that the the, the data that they're holding on patients is actually secure. It just makes the whole thing feel a bit not as safe as one assumes. If
1: if this kind of thing really gets my goat, I don't think a financial penalty is enough. I think someone has to have their ghoulies cut off because of this.
0: If they have no ghoulies, what
1: then? Well, you're planning to remove ovaries. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I've gone too far. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. As usual.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm not gonna lie to you, passwords often are a pain in the you know where, but they don't always have to be. Take for instance, LastPass's single sign-on feature. Now single sign-on is very cool because it is integrated with more than 1200 different applications, applications that your users need to do their jobs. And this simplifies accessing those applications, making it far more streamlined want to learn more check it out at
1: lastpass.com forward slash smashing
0: on with the show
1: and welcome back can you join us on our favorite part of the show the part of the show that we like to call pick of the week pick of the week pick of the, pick week. Of the, week. <laughs> pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like could be a funny story a book that they've read a tv show a movie a record a podcast a website or an app Whatever they wish doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Should not be. And my pick of the week isn't really security related. It is instead. See, what I like to do is I like to thread, I like to weave a theme through the podcast. It's very. This this isn't some ramshackle, shambolic recording crawl. I've put genuine thought into this because I am now coming back to the topic of art, and specifically.
0: Oh. That's very good, Graham. I don't think I've ever heard you do this before.
1: Specifically, an artist called Simon Weckert, or maybe it's Simon Weckert, who is based in Berlin, Mm -hmm. which is in Germany, don't you know? And (laughs) he, he did something rather extraordinary this week, and he produced a video, and you can read all about it on his webpage. We will link to those in the show notes. What he did was he generated a virtual traffic jam. On Google Maps. Okay. How explain? Okay. So do you know how Google Maps works regarding traffic?
0: Well, I'm assuming it's going, Oh, there's a lot of people here and we know that through their we know that through their GPSs or their phones, yeah. Through their right?
1: phones, exactly. So right. people are carrying phones, running Google software, racing around in their motor cars. Right. And Apple is able to identify where they are roughly and it says, Oh, there's an awful lot of them here and they did look like they were in a car, and now they don't appear to be moving very fast, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's, that's how Google is able to tell you this is a busy bit of road or this is a quiet bit of road. Right, right, right. Very, very clever. So what Simon Veckert did mm-hmm. was he got a kid's little trolley, like a little uh, oh, like a little God. wagon, right? Okay. Uh, he filled it up with ninety nine second hand smartphones, <laughs> and he walked around Berlin. And just a little amble along.
0: I love it. And then basically, and Google <laughs> Maps was saying, "Oh, traffic jam, traffic exactly. jam, traffic
1: jam." And Google Maps thought that there was loads of traffic jams happening. Oh, and, um, okay. So- it's
0: very cute. However, yes. um, I can see some serious problems here, actually. Okay, go on. Well, well, imagine if you were having a heart attack.
1: Oh yes. Right, and yes. the ambulance is like, "Oh shit!" Well, yes, exactly. Because yeah. the ambulance might take a longer route. Yeah. I, do, I don't think he's planning to do this on a regular basis. I think he's proved his point. But yes, if other people wanted to do...
0: Or someone's being held at knife point and the cops yeah, can't get there.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Or if you were transporting... I remember an old episode of Captain Scarlet uh-huh. where a very dangerous nuclear missile was being taken via some sort of vehicle through the streets of london for reasons which were best known to itself uh, but the bad guys <laughs> but the bad guys wanted to divert the course of this nuclear weapon uh, to go the particular way that they wanted so that they could try and steal the weapon so you could create a fake traffic jam and get them to move another way. Or if there's a very important person, like, a, I don't know, a, a politician or something like that, and your security detail are trying to get you through the city, right, in an emergency, and they don't want to be ambushed by the bad guys, well, they might see a traffic jam in Google Maps and go, you know, Oh, yeah, that's way swerve. more important than someone being held at a knife point. You're right. Right. <laughs> no, no, good point. <laughs> anyway, I thought this was rather cunning and clever and also cute. And for me, that's what counts, and that is why it is my pick of
0: the week. Mm, yeah, cute but dangerous. I think it uh, needs a bit more thought. I think.
1: Well, dude. I'm not just seeing people do it. I just think it's interesting that it was Yeah, done. yeah. But he's now done improve a proof
0: of concept, hasn't he?
1: Oh, so you're saying he's a bad guy? No, I'm not. Okay, good. He's a fellow <laughs> artist. You just don't like the competition. <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, no, no. I Seriously, I'm, I'm looking for artist friends, actually. Oh. I'm looking to expand my artist friends, So unfortunately, Graham, you <laughs> might get dumped. Okay. My pick of the week. Yes. Okay. So my pick of the week. Do you remember last week we had Lisa Forte on the show? I do. And she was talking about her story, which is a game I played. Yes. And uh, she mentioned also that they had a new one out, a new game called Telling Lies. And uh, so I played it. And I can, uh, I can attest it's pretty cool. So, it's basically kind of called a desktop thriller. That's how one of the creators calls it. Okay, so you have to imagine you have four characters, right? And you only get one side of the conversation. You are basically an NSA uh, person, right? And you come to a computer, you sit down, (laughs) and you are now going through files. Okay. Okay. And you are hearing snippets. Some of the files are 13 seconds. Some of the files are eight minutes long. And it's one side of the conversation. It's like a digital puzzle. You have to go and find the the two bits of conversation that go together.
1: Oh, okay. So it's like if, uh, so it's like a... Maybe a, a, a telephone conversation, but you've got two different recordings, one from each end. Exactly. That's oh, okay. exactly what it is, right? right? So if
0: you and I were planning something really bad, a heist or something, yeah. right, and you had my side of the conversation, but there'd also be these, all these moments where I wouldn't be talking, right? Because mm. I'd be listening to you. Because you, yab, 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 <laughs> yab, 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 yab. <laughs> so, so, So sometimes you're, you're watching it, right? And you're, they're doing nothing. They're just looking at you. They're looking right in the camera as though you're speaking. And that can go on for minutes at a time. It's really bizarre. However, the story is fantastic. And slowly, slowly, as you start kind of dissecting all these different little audio clips and video clips, you can figure out what's going on. And what makes it great is the acting is super cool. Yeah. Right? The Acting is great. And the script is, is noticeably tight. And there's a number of different endings, a number of different things you can learn. So there's no one ending. And the one thing, though, is I'm not really sure on what the goal is. Like, I haven't figured that out yet.
1: That's more realistic. You don't necessarily know what you're investigating.
0: Yeah. So there's like a number of different story threads. I'm not finished it yet, but I'm still at this stage. I'm like, am I, I don't know how to conclude. And I think that you have to, I mean, I've actually built this baby obsession wall. <laughs> My husband and I, he comes down with thread. you've know, like, you, like you got an obsession wall? And blue tack and a few uh, 3M sticky post-its. And uh, they're all over our front, our front room. and <laughs> But uh I don't think we're doing it seriously enough because there's all kinds of little clues, like timestamps and word clues. so, I could, so one, you know, there's one conversation going on, and they'll say something, and you'll be like, "Hey, they mentioned that before," and that's how you find your clips. It's by doing a word search. It's not like all the clips are in okay. front of you. You have to kind of go, "Oh, I want to look for the word liar, for example, right? Or I'm going to look for the name Peter, and then clips where that's mention comes up. Anyway. I've talked too much. It's really cool. Check it out. It does cost money, but uh, I think it was $7. So so
1: you got the, what, the iPad version? I got the iPhone one. I got it for the iPhone because I was traveling.
0: But then what I ended up doing is we ended up doing it on a living room and I beamed it to the telly through the Apple TV. Oh, so
1: you could both So we were playing together and we were three of us, actually, and it was great fun. I'm just checking out the website now. You can also buy it for Windows.
0: Yeah, and it's available on Steam. Yep. Yep. Anyway, I, cool. I thought it was great fun, and it's it's something you can do on a Friday night with your um, other half, right, mm. if you need to have something, because it's, you know, you, you get pretty into it.
1: Mm. Anyway, that's my pick of the week. And it's called Telling Lies. Telling Lies. Excellent. Okay, I just wanted to repeat that, because we had a, we had a listener say, can you always try and remember to r- tell us what the pick of the week was at the end of the pick of the week? It's published
0: by Anna Purna Interactive, and it was published initially in August 2019, so it's not even a year old. Still fairly nascent.
1: Well, that sounds really cool, Carl. Good, think, it is. I think that just about wraps it up for this week. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter... Do it. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at SmashingSecurity, no G, Twitter at last have a G. And you can also join us on Reddit in the Smashing Security Reddit. And don't forget, if you want to be sure never to miss another episode of Smashing Security, subscribe in your favourite podcast app, such as CastBox, which is currently featuring Smashing Security. Hooray! Thank yeah, it you, is Castbox. so cool.
0: Thank you, very much. Thank you, CastBox. And a huge thanks to all of you for pointing your ears our way, supporting us on Patreon and giving us snoo... <laughs> giving us wonderful reviews. Also a big shout out to this week's Smashing Security sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you this show for free. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and information on how to get in touch with us.
1: Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: missed the guest this week right? well she would have been a very good guest she'll come back we'll explain what happened it was uh we're not going to blame anyone no nope. no nope. we're not blaming anyone we're not going to blame your story it's technology it's computer's
1: fault yeah i don't want to get into it. Yeah. i blame babbage if he hadn't do started you. all of this nice nice, nice. ada lovelace nice. as well nice